Hello everyone, my name is Kendall and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. In these episodes of this podcast, I will be sitting down with various guests to connect over who they are, their happiness, and lessons they've learned. I believe life is like a book. Each chapter is a piece of our development and growth with the good, the bad, and everything in between that ultimately makes up our story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences and opinions throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. And today I'm so excited to be here with one of my closest friends, my roommate in college, somebody I love so dearly. <laughs> mm, yeah. Emma Greenberg Morano, right? Yeah. Yeah. Officially married. Officially married. Wild. Wild. Yeah. And I'm excited because you all will get to listen to the book club episode this week, which will be a lovely surprise of a part one and part two, where it will be not only Emma, but also her partner Eli will join us as well, which is exciting. But for now, <laughs> I have Emma all to myself. So let me start off by saying Emma is one of the most joyful, kind, and just pure light in my life and where I can be very spicy and abrasive in some ways and whatnot. Emma has always been very level-headed, very calm, and even so emotional, but in such a logical and like well-thought-out and put-together way and truly just voice of reason really (laughs) and I adore her and I'm so happy to have her here Emma welcome thank you I'm so excited to be here gosh and we we don't see each other as often as I would like but I'm glad that you're here for this I'm glad that we get to sit down and chat and have like this very genuine conversation that I get to have with all my guests and I'm very thankful that you get to be here for that Mm -hmm. so Let's start out with first. So we met my junior year of college, your freshman year of college, through somebody else. And I say we clicked fairly, like, easily from the beginning. Yes. And then eventually the next year we decided to live together, Mm -hmm. which was great. Mm -hmm. And we've been friends ever since. I think it'll be 10 years next year, which is showing our age. Appalling. (laughs) (laughs) But... In 10 years, I would say we've done so much growth and so much changing. And it's beautiful to see that we, like, stay together Yes, that far in. I agree. And for undergrad, you studied psychology. I did. And then went on to get your master's in social work, Mm -hmm. which is how you met your partner, Eli. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about who you are and what you want to share with the lovely guests. Oh, boy. I know it's a loaded question. Who are you? It is. Well, I'm trying to think of, like, where to focus at because I feel like you get asked that question Mm -hmm. in your workplace, and I keep it very professional. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's pretty rare to, like, introduce yourself as a human to people. And I thought about that a lot as I'm introducing guests where, like, what do I want to introduce about them? And usually it's, like, how I know them, but then I Mm want to give the space – To either talk about something that I know is really important, like their job or this hobby they have or something, and then also give the space where they get to introduce whoever they are to the world in the way that they want. Yeah. Well, um, because I I am occasionally overprepared. Sometimes. I wouldn't say that that's a consistent thing with me, Mm -hmm. but I was really, really excited about this, so then I was overprepared. I know that I'll probably touch on other things later, Mm -hmm. but I was born and raised in Iowa City, Iowa. Lived there for 18 years. Before I moved to Virginia for undergrad, then decided to go to grad school still here in Virginia, which is wild because mm-hmm. I really did not have a good time. My freshman year of college <laughs> no. was ready to pack it all up and move on home um, or somewhere else, really, mm-hmm. just not the place where I was. Yep. Um, I respect that. I was there. Yeah. Well, but I feel like. The people that I met is what changed yeah. that, mm-hmm. um, which started with you. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think you were like, 
uh, already cried as you introduced me. Um, you were like the first really good thing, you know, because mm-hmm. um, things were things were difficult. Yeah, and it's a culture shock, I'm sure. Yeah, surprisingly, I really didn't anticipate that when yeah. I first moved to Virginia. Um, but I think it's also because I had a really solid and regular support system at home. Yeah, that was. Um, like exceptionally strong that I just felt really weird to be away from really weird to be around anyone other than those people. So I'm sure it would have been weird regardless. Yeah. I did feel some culture shock. And as somebody who had not that, I always joked when we were college that Emma had some like Disney channel, like (laughs) high school experience because, and I went back to Iowa city with you one Mm -hmm. winter and visited and saw Mm -hmm. your life back home. And like you had have like such a core group of friends mm-hmm. growing up yeah and it's beautiful and I think I think rare but like I don't think it's rare for a lot of people mm-hmm. but I think it is rare in that and you're still friends with them right. and it's just like and they're exceptional people and yeah. it was just it was a beautiful thing to see yeah yeah I appreciate I that see it yeah yeah I think that's always so cool to be able to like bring different people that you love from different mm-hmm. parts of your life together and then when they all like each other too that's just like the best feeling better yeah yeah. So you went in and did you knew, know you were going to study psychology? Like, did you yes. go into college going, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I decided that I wanted to, <laughs> I was very um, education oriented from a very young age. I knew that I wanted to go to college. I knew that I probably wanted to go to school after that, but just didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. And I became really, really interested in psychology in middle school, actually, Ooh. and thought that that's what I wanted to do. And somehow stuck with it. I don't know. I think that's pretty odd that I, like, stuck with that thing because I feel like that changes so much. I used to have other, like, different dreams when I was younger, but, yeah. And then from undergrad, going and getting your master's and now social work, Mm -hmm. was that different? Like, did you know that you were going to go into social work? No. I, um... I didn't know what I wanted to do after I graduated from college and around like summer after my junior year, heading into my senior year of college, had this moment of being like, ooh, I don't really know what I want to do with this. Was probably a little young and naive and thought that like <laughs> I knew everything as mm-hmm. we all do when we look back and we're like, dang, I really thought that I knew everything at that age. Didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I... Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, um, but I, it was actually my mom that was working at an elementary school at the time, and I always loved a school-based setting, even though I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. I just really liked the structure of school. I thought mm-hmm. that learning was so interesting, always enjoyed school myself, that I wanted to see what people other than teachers did at her school. And I shadowed a school social worker one afternoon. Um, saw that she was like pulling different students into her classroom to do individualized work and talking about like emotional regulation and um, introducing like really complex topics that maybe they weren't naturally being taught at home in like a very palatable way to very young students. And I just was like in awe Mm -hmm. and thought that that would be like the coolest job ever because I could work with young kids, which I always really liked. I could talk about mental health, which I always thought was so interesting. I could work with so many different types of people and then also get like my summers off. I thought that it was like, the yes. best of everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then I decided then that I wanted to apply for master's degree programs in social work. Yeah. Yeah. And you stayed in Virginia for that. I know, which is really weird. I applied to places all over the U.S. And um, I think, I mean, it was, some of it was based on the really strong friendships that I had at the time um, that I ended up choosing VCU. Um that I wanted to be close to the connections that I made mm-hmm. in undergrad. And then part of it was also because I got a graduate assistantship, which mm-hmm. enabled me to be able to pay for it. Yeah. At least partially. Loans yeah. are still a thing. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think now looking back, it's like, what a great thing Richmond, Virginia has like given yes. you such yes. 
Like, yes. beauty. Like, I, my sister, Darren, went to VCU as well for undergrad. And, like, until I visited Emma and then Darren started living in Richmond, I had no idea just, like, how vibrant of a city it yeah. is and, like, so beautifully diverse and artistic and just vibrant. Yeah. Like, that's the word I would use for it. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it has everything that I want it to have. I feel very, like, at home here. Um partially because I've been here for so many years at this point, but I think that that clicked pretty quickly on mm-hmm. where I remember talking to my parents like the first month that I moved here. And I was like, no, I think I'm going to stay. Like, I think even after I graduate, I, I think I want to stay here. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. And then you met your partner yeah. and their five cats. <laughs> and then now together you have five cats and two puppies. Yeah. Absurd. So a full family. A farm, small farm. That's what it's referred to it. It's been amazing to walk around your house and just turn the corner and see a new beautiful furry face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that if we were to start the process all over from scratch, it would be smaller scale. (laughs) (laughs) But Eli really does things to the map. The cats were already part of the picture before I was here. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Initially, I was skeptical Mm -hmm. because I had never lived with cats. (laughs) The only interactions I had with cats were very stereotypical interactions of, like, you try and pet the cat, the cat swipes at you. <laughs> um, but then I, of course, fell in love with all of these yeah. animals. And one of the ones that's in the room with us now, she fell in love with you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My little buddy. There she is in the doorway. <laughs> there she is. Yeah. And so do you, what do you do now? Oh, oh my gosh. Congratulations. Like, how could I not mention it? But, and you're going to have to explain the exam, but you just passed a huge exam and it's such an accomplishment and congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I studied for two years to get my master's degree in social work. Um, and then you have a whole bunch of options. Oh, it's Colby. Yep. There she is making noise. Hey buddy. She can make as much noise as she wants. Oh, She'll just be I, the background noise. I was going to say, do you want me to ask her to exit? Right no. Now, but you can't. We had, to, we had to send Colby out on her way, unfortunately. Yes. We'll see her later. <laughs> um, okay. So after I finished my bachelor's, I did two years of my master's at BCU. Finished that. And there's a whole bunch of paths that you can take. As a social worker, you don't have to go on and get further education. Mm-hmm. I mean, who really does have to get further education in anything <laughs> that they want to? Um, <laughs> but um, I knew that I wanted to work clinically with people um, in a clinical setting. Um, so that requires, if you want, to get your license clinical social work. Um, so that's basically like if you were to go on psychology today and try and find a therapist for yourself, people can have multiple degrees. Like you'll see licensed professional counselors, you'll see LCSWs, which is the degree that I have. Um, you'll see licensed marriage and family therapists. But basically, if you want to see somebody independently in like a therapy setting, you have to be licensed. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, <laughs> you have to study under someone for about two years because you have to accumulate 100 hours of supervision and you can only average one hour of supervision a week. So that takes some time in order to accumulate those hours because, like, you have to think about, like, vacations and holidays and, like, oops, I'm sick and your supervisor's Mm -hmm. sick, all that. So you accumulate all of those hours studying under somebody that is licensed and then you're eligible to take your test. Um, It's a pretty intense test you get are given four hours to take it. Um, thankfully, it did not take me that long because my attention span could not <laughs> handle testing mm-hmm. for that long. Um, but yeah, it's notoriously pretty hard. I was just going to say, did you say not everybody passes the that first time? That is true. Yeah. And I have a lot of test-taking anxiety. I have always preferred um, to write a paper than take a test. Yep. Yeah. Never scored in the ways that I wanted to on, like, any standardized testing, like, even thinking back to, like, an ACT going yeah. into college. So I was really, really scared, um, but I decided to go the mount. 
somehow passed on my first try. <laughs> Thank God. Yep. Because I really didn't want to keep on studying. No. Nope. I didn't want to pay to take that whole exam again. Nope. So now it's done. No more tests for the rest of my life. Yeah. Unless I want wow. to get a future degree. But yeah. I, I don't plan yeah. on doing that. So no. Wow. What a weird concept. Yeah. Right. Like doing so much done? school. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but very ready. Yeah. I feel too old to be still in school. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Wow. And so now, can you tell us a little bit about your work now? Mm-hmm. Do you love it? Yeah, I mean, I love parts of it. Um, So I currently work at my city's um, community service board, Mm -hmm. which provides no-cost mental health support to residents of the greater Richmond area. Um, So the team that I work on is a crisis team. Um, So we respond out in the community for mental health crises, we see individuals for short-term therapy linkage to mm-hmm. other services, all yeah. that good stuff. Trying to be like a bridge after a crisis occurs, because studies show that like after a crisis occurs, those 30 days afterwards are the most vulnerable. Um, people need the most support, and you need to be linked to something that can support you in the future. Yeah. So we are there to do that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And how was that over the pandemic where it was a very different environment and everybody in the world was going over, going through some sort of like Mm -hmm. turmoil or crisis on their own, let alone, you know, what already was existing as your own like mental health issues. Yeah. And like it just exacerbated it, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a pretty unique experience that I graduated my graduate program um, during spring of 2020. Mm. So I entered the workforce in the very beginning stages of the pandemic. Um, It was really challenging to be job searching in the beginning stages of the pandemic. Yeah. Because nobody really knew what was going on. I feel like I forget that, that at the very beginning, everything like really came to a halt Mm -hmm. because nobody knew what anything was going to look like because suddenly two weeks turned into a month turned into a couple months people didn't know what funding looked like they didn't know what it would look like to turn all of their in-person services into virtual Mm -hmm. so I started my first like real job because I went straight from undergrad to graduate school my first like real big kid job was within the pandemic just weird mm-hmm. um we did virtual services for a really long time and that was really challenging because I was working with kids which I loved but mm-hmm. that's tricky to yeah. hold attention span especially after they've been on school virtually all day long yeah how does that even work like how a do you a lot of games <laughs> a lot of games <laughs> a lot of um just seeing how people are doing and responding accordingly which like should be all yeah in general like as long as people are engaged you can make something out of it yeah but wow a lot of games yeah and so how how were you able to and I guess still right now because I remember talking to you and your partner Eli about like your jobs during that time and then during now and I constantly wonder like how do you relieve stress and balance that in your personal lives and how beautiful is it that you have a partner who kind of exactly understands like yes. what you do yeah that's like phenomenal yeah how do the two of you or how do you how do you like balance that mm. so I think it is really helpful to have somebody that like really clearly understands exactly what you're going through yep um it was really challenging while we were in grad school because grad school was incredibly draining demanded a lot of time and energy from us and I mean, I like to think of partnerships as a give and take. Like there are times where somebody's putting in like 70% because the other person can only give 30. And that's great. But when we were both absolutely exhausted, had no time for like preparing food, (laughs) sleeping appropriately, taking care of things around the home, that was really, really challenging. But it's paid off really great Um, because when I feel stuck in something 
um, or need to process through a situation. Of course, keeping everything anonymous because that's important. Um, <laughs> it's really nice to be able to like talk to someone and be like, I don't know, I'm like carrying this thing with me and this weird interaction. And do you think that mm-hmm. like this is the right approach to handle that moving forward? How great they have the actual professional I know. Like, <laughs> I know. ability to give you. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, but as far as like stress relief, I think over time there's a lot of like buildup of like even resiliency within the work that we do because there's no way that you can give everything to everyone. That's like also not a super healthy thing to model to your clients. Mm. Like everybody needs boundaries in order mm-hmm. to exist. It's important that I model boundaries so that they know that that is acceptable and should be a standard within their lives as well. Yeah. I don't know. I, a lot of walks. <laughs> we take a lot of walks. Um, our animals are really great. And that was really helpful within the pandemic when we couldn't go out and do things. Um, the gym has always been really important. Time away. And it's really nice to have somebody that will do accountable to that. Mm. For a while at the beginning of our jobs, which doesn't have to be a thing so much anymore, but... We were first entering the field. Um, we instituted rules of like no client talk, no work Ooh, talk yeah. after a certain hour. That's um, smart. Yeah. But that was also because we had really different schedules at one point. And so then it felt like one of us was always working and that was really annoying. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's super smart. Yeah. And do you see yourself doing this? forever like I fear for like the burnout of how challenging this is like how do you I guess it relates to the last question but like how do you pace yourself in knowing that like this is the field that you've chosen to be in and you want to make sure that you're putting up those boundaries and like doing things so that you don't burn out because this is something you want to do forever you're so empathetic it's crazy (laughs) like has so much empathy and so much love and so much compassion like you have so much kindness and compassion thank you so I this obviously is like a perfect job for you. <laughs> but then I do wonder, like, at what point, you know, yeah. how do you keep that momentum? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of, like, I, I really love people. Like, mm-hmm. I. That's where we differ. <laughs> I find people so interesting. Mm-hmm. And I am always excited to hear about some wild thing that happened in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And even though therapy is obviously so much more than that. In the times that I feel like completely exhausted and like I either feel stuck with a certain client or I feel stuck in the system that I work within because that blows mm-hmm. um, to recognize that like the, the system is broken and you are also working within that system and like you're trying to work outside of the system to change things or give your clients more opportunities than they are already given. But mm-hmm still have to operate within certain rules is frustrating. Um, But if I have a refreshing session where I can really just admire the fact that like I get to sit down and like talk to someone about how their week went and they're processing through like even like the smallest and then so-and-so said something to me like that reinvigorates me. Yeah. Um, But as far as like, do I want to do this forever? Probably not. Yeah. I don't know what else I want to do. Yeah. Um, I've been saying this for a hot minute because a, a lot of people, once they get licensed, um, will switch over into doing private practice work, which is great. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Then I watched my partner do it. And I said, I, I don't think that I can do that. I don't think I want to sit and talk to people back to back. I want more like diversity in the activities that I'm doing throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And right now I have that, which I really like. Um, stepping into a new leadership role on my team, I get to chat with my staff and provide support to them, which has always been something that I've really loved. I get to talk with clients. I get to organize things for my team. Mm-hmm. And it just feels different, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Almost sounds like you should have been an RA in college. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> You were the RA in college. Yeah, I can see a leadership role. Like, that makes sense. And, like, supporting a team and being able to be supportive that way. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I don't know. I think you were cool, RA. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I would like to think that 
Yeah, but it was a nice thinking about it now. It's a nice transition into like, yeah, people. Oh I've yeah, always like people. Yeah, and it gave me the grant assistantship that I was able to have so that yeah. I could pay for my housing. Yeah, in grad school. And yeah, that was valuable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got your own apartment. Yeah, <laughs> my own apartment in a building full of mm-hmm. freshmen. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I want to start off with the first question at hand for this topic of happiness. Mm. How do you define happiness? Happiness for me, I think, would be feeling content with where I am, feeling day-to-day, like, joy, mm. while also being really excited for whatever's coming up in my future. I would always like to have something that I'm looking forward to, small, big. I think that's what happiness yeah. would be for me. Yeah contentness mm-hmm. in like your everyday mm-hmm. I like that and blissfulness like yeah. say that too just like yeah and I like the looking forward to something yeah that truly like pushes you along a little bit it does it <laughs> really does yeah. like knowing that something else is coming up or yeah. especially if your day can be very mundane mm-hmm. and like boring and mm-hmm. stuff like that so what are some of the things that make you happy mm. I think my animals mm. I love them mm-hmm. They're pretty great. I'm afraid. They're pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think just like we adopted puppies a couple months ago, and I have never been able to see a tiny anything grow, like tiny human, tiny cat, tiny dog. So seeing them, like, discover things and grow and change has been so cool Mm -hmm. and has brought me so much joy, even though they bring me so much stress as well. (laughs) Primarily joy. <laughs> um, yeah. And, I don't know, simple things. Like, yeah. uh, sipping an ice latte makes me really, really Ooh. happy. I love an ice latte. Mm. Mm. I love people. I love greeting friends. I think that's, like, the most joyful thing ever is, like, seeing someone um, that you've been looking forward to seeing. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to something. Mm-hmm. Nice. So this is a... Fun-ish question, but is there something in your life that didn't go the way you expected, good, bad, or indifferent, that ended up having a good outcome? Yeah. I feel like I touched on it a little bit um, of my experience in undergrad. I guess I first want to say that I don't necessarily believe in, like, the whole everything happens for a reason because I think it's dismissive Mm -hmm. of people's trauma that they've gone through and like no one deserves bad things to happen to them I do like to think about how like interconnected things are Mm -hmm. um so I think my freshman year of college I left like I said a really strong support system I had really really good friends my parents were always so wonderful my younger brother of course too um I had somebody that I was dating at the time I had been dating for a long time um I felt just really comfortable, really supported, really loved within all of those relationships. Um, So leaving that and feeling like a little unsure about the people that I was with, um, I always thought of myself as really outgoing and uh, extroverted, but then suddenly being in this new environment, I was really questioning that and found it difficult to connect with the people that I was around, found it really challenging to like, I don't know, build something in yeah. the environment that I was in. But then, like I said, I met you. I met some more people during my yeah. sophomore year. My on-campus job like really connected me to some like-minded folks and gave me more of a purpose at least, mm-hmm. <laughs> an activity that I was doing consistently. Um, and then I ended up making some really great friends throughout that, that when I applied to grad school, were like, well, what if you stuck around closer? And I'd already been leaning towards that because the connections I had mm-hmm. within the res life system at, uh, Mary Wash sent me, um, over to VCU and, yeah. um, yeah, so I think that's something that, you know, at the beginning I was like, I don't I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't think this is really good for me. Yeah. I think I need to go and do something else. Yeah. And then 
way to like push yourself out of your comfort zone and just <laughs> jump states and then hope for the best. Yeah. Well, I knew that I wanted something different than where I grew up and I had never tried anything different. So I think maybe a bit naively, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I can yeah. definitely move yeah. to Virginia. It's not a big deal that I'm not going home until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can do like four, four and a half months. Um, and then the school that we went to, a lot of people are from Virginia. So a yeah. lot of people were going home really frequently. Mm-hmm. And I was all of a sudden like, oh, no. Yeah. And I will say, like, at the time, my parents moved to Germany. And so, like, mm-hmm. I yeah. was going home for many things. But there were how many Thanksgivings that, like, we spent together, mm-hmm. which was so lovely. It was. It was really yeah. good. And we made our own, like, traditions. We watched Harry Potter. Yes. Every time. Yes. Just the best because yeah. like that is what like holidays and stuff yeah. like that should be. But we were able to like start that whole process so much younger. Yeah, it was, really it was lovely. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was also gonna say you also got you studied abroad while you were in college. I did, which is super cool and yeah. learned a whole other language. Yeah, like, yeah. You went to Costa Rica. I did. Learned Spanish. Yeah, so instrumental in your job now. Yeah, yeah, it has been. And my new role, it is not as much, but in the first job that I got right outside of grad school, um, I was hired as a Spanish-speaking clinician, which would not have been able to imagine that mm-hmm. at a younger age. Yeah, I just had a really intense um, high school Spanish teacher that I had put a lot of time and effort into her class out of necessity to pass. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't give this up now. Yeah. So I continued yeah. on my way. Yeah. What a nice experience overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this leads very nicely into, oh, well, I guess this is a newer question that I haven't asked in the previous season, but what is something that you're most proud of? Mm-hmm. I think the work that I've done on myself. Ugh. Yeah. You should be. Yeah. Everybody, do some work on yourself. Yeah. Get it together. Self-reflection. Ah, uh, yeah. I think... I, for a long time, um, thought that people were really interesting, but also was very, very judgmental. I know that I can still lean that way, and it's something I'm continually working on. Um, But, like, along with observing people, had a lot of my own biases or judgments that I would make. Um, And I started to really undo that in grad school. Um, I think I lived very much in a bubble growing up. And then Mary Wash, you know, maybe not the most diverse experience I've ever had nope. in my life. Mm-mm. But, I mean, the nature of social work in general, like, yeah, it's completely necessary. You can't. Yeah. You can't be doing that. So, yeah, I think that along with always believing that if you're a therapist, you should have gone to therapy. Yeah. I think that's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And I thought that. And I had never been. Mm. Um, so then starting that process, as I was wrapping up my master's degree and realizing that, like, I wasn't too sure about, like, who I was as a person. Had a lot of, I don't know, like, quarter-life crisis moments of, like, yeah. I don't know, gonna... my education has been me for so long. and Yeah. And who are you going to be in this world now as an adult? And you right. are in charge of and responsible for yourself. Yes. And, and I think for a really you make. <laughs> yeah. I think for a really long time, um my self-worth was really wrapped up in my job too. Mm-hmm. I like prided myself on being a helpful person, a kind person. So of course I'm gonna choose this helping career. But then if I'm not overextending both in the job and outside of the job, what am I bringing? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, as I sit here and say how kind and compassionate and giving you are. Yeah. I appreciate it because I, I hope that I can like continue to give that to people. Yeah. Because that is still important to me. Um, but I think for a while I sort of like lost who I was outside of like what I was able to give to others. Yeah. Um, I've always been really uncomfortable with um, a lack of like harmony with them. Mm relationships groups things like that yeah, really uncomfortable yeah. with not a fan of conflict. no 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 <laughs> hated it yep 
Um, yeah, did a lot of processing, undoing, relearning. Mm. Some better ways of approaching things. Yeah, thinking about things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when do you feel like the most yourself? Mm. I feel the most myself when I am at home with my partner in our pets. I think. I think there are many people that I feel very, very, very comfortable around. No, she can. I if you hear little meows in the background, it's just Colby. She's just sticking around on the other side of the door. She wants to hang out so bad. She, which is so funny because every time I visit, she has no interest. I know. Right, wait. Pause. <laughs> so as as we were saying, it's when do you feel like you're most yourself? I feel the most myself when I'm at home with my partner and our animals, pets. Um. I think there are a lot of people I feel really comfortable around. I think that it's really a unique relationship to live with someone and like you really, really know someone at that point. And I don't feel the need to like change anything about how I'm acting, saying, doing, any of that. Mm. Like I never thought that I was the type of person to like sing songs to animals. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So what would you say is, or what would you say are some of the best lessons you've learned? I am currently in the process of learning. Mm. (laughs) Should have phrased that differently. Learned or learning. (laughs) Learning that you don't have to be nice to be a kind person. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I think that for a really long time, I thought that niceness was paramount. That um, being nice to everyone was the best way to be. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Familial value, you know? Yeah. Um, But I think that being kind means being authentic and genuine in how you are with people being honest and also like knowing your limits. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you owe everything to everyone in order to be a kind person or a good person. And I also don't think that you have to tolerate mistreatment for people in order to be a kind person. And so I feel like safest with people that have that same mindset. Yeah. That's great. That like really resonated just now (laughs) having a moment. But I do. I think that like that's a part of, you know, I've worked on in the last few years, like putting up boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's, a, that's important. Like, being nice to everybody doesn't mean that I'm even being kind to myself. Like, exactly. if you've lost the right based mm-hmm. on the way you treat me, I don't owe you anything to right. be nice to you just because I, like, that's supposed to make me a good person or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. And, nah. like, not to say that you have to then go out of your way to no. do things when you interact with those people. But, like, you can have people that lose access to certain parts yeah. of your life. And that's completely fine. Yeah. And I think being non-confrontational and feeling like I would rather walk away from something than be honest or put up that boundary mm-hmm. or give feedback or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Also, is you maybe people-pleasing or being nice, and I've seen that in myself, and, like, I try to do everything in my power to take the opportunity to breathe and, like, do something about something that bothers me, even if it feels like it's not me being nice. Right. That's me putting up that boundary and being kind to myself and hopefully setting a precedent for others. And Yeah. 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 Yeah, because I think that you can... Like there's this whole idea of like calling someone in rather than calling them out that you you can question why someone is doing something or saying something or pose as like that's that's really interesting mm-hmm. that you said that that mm-hmm. you did that mm-hmm. or like we talked about earlier said like I don't like that just made me feel awful yeah when you said that thing. yeah yeah and so what is something that you think that you've learned since like being in a pandemic and having the world kind of shift a little bit. Hmm. I think the importance of radicalizing my thought process. Um, I think that began within grad school of learning a lot of new ways of 
thinking, interacting with so many communities that I hadn't interacted with before, hearing so many people's life experiences, because it was not rare, but like there was such a mixture of ages and different spots in life that people were coming into my program with. Some people had been out in the field for like 10 or 15 years and decided they wanted to come back and get their master's degree and had seen and experienced so much that I found myself really questioning a lot of the things that I held true um, or held close to me, I guess is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Questioning maybe judgments that I made in the past, things that I assume. I think there's been a lot that I've been working to unlearn Mm -hmm. and retrain and question and understand why I was taught the things that I was taught, whether I support those thoughts still, yeah, whether that aligns with what I believe now or like what those ideas support in the grand scheme of things. Like if I continue to think that way, what is that supporting? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. I feel like since like we've both changed in so many ways since Mm -hmm. we first met and like, I'm so grateful that we, we're still friends and both the same things like as our values and Mm -hmm. stuff but it's crazy how much just growth happens and based on where you are who you meet what you know situations you put yourself in and where you push yourself to grow or not and it's crazy yeah yeah it's wild I because I think that it just really shows how great it was that we connected on like a values level Mm -hmm. and that even though things and opinions can shift our core values I think still align which is yeah why it makes it work yeah great great love it yeah (laughs) so what's something that you would tell your younger self Mm. younger Emma younger Emma something that my mom always said but I think I have uh learned and relearned over time um is that if someone's only nice to you when it's just the two of you, maybe that person isn't so good for you. Ooh. I feel like that helped me a lot when I was younger, and it built a lot of re- really great relationships. And then I think I sort of lost that a bit in undergrad mm-hmm. for a minute. Not to say that people can't go through things. Yeah. Of course, relationships have and flow. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going through their own stuff, working through their own stuff. And not everybody's yep. the best version of themselves when they're interacting with you. Yep. But... I think that there had been a couple of folks that maybe weren't great to me consistently. Yeah. Or those relationships would change based on who was around. Yeah. I also think another important lesson to tell up young grandma um, is that you're definitely queer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You were right, 10-year-old me. You had a good hunch. (laughs) Go with that. Yeah. I love that. So what is the biggest change that you've seen in yourself? Like mm-hmm. over time, either from like your younger self to now or the last three years, like what mm-hmm. is a huge change that you sit back and you're like, wow. Ooh. I think that I now feel a lot more comfortable disagreeing with someone. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind being assertive. Like I, I used to really, really hate it. Mm. Um. I think it like that ties into that whole idea of like niceness of like, I know that they're probably nice, a good person. So they don't mean that, but they're saying, let's just assume the best in everyone all the time. Yeah. They're probably going through something else while dismissing like the hurt that they could be causing you. Yeah. Is like you said, really not being kind to your own self. I don't think that harmony is the most important, which like even probably like 20 year old me thought that harmony was the most important yeah so yeah I don't know I think about sometimes I don't love disagreeing with people Mm -hmm. I certainly don't love it when they disagree with me (laughs) but um but I I I think that's something I like work on because I Mm -hmm. in moments take it as a personal attack like oh Mm -hmm. you don't agree with me like wow I'm I must be wrong Ooh, I must have this horrible idea or and even to the simplest things of like like watching a TV show mm-hmm. and 
feeling like, oh, I really like these characters. And be like, they're really problematic. Like, they're not great. Mm. And, like, you don't realize it. And then you go, oh. And then either it is or it isn't, you know, whatnot. Or that was a really rude thing that they did or something like that. And I think thinking back, I take it very personal. And that's not great. Yeah. But then I also you know, want to be able to disagree with someone when I think that they said something that wasn't great or something hurt my feelings or something like that. And so, you know, maybe I don't want them to feel the way I feel, whereas I take it personal, but maybe they won't. Maybe that's a great opportunity to be like, hey, that hurt my feelings or I don't appreciate that comment or that's not great. Right. And so, like, how do I balance those two things? Right. It's a challenge. Right. Because, like, not everybody's going to respond and feel the same way when (laughs) you deliver your... Yeah, critiques or soft questioning of things. Yeah. But, yeah. Working on the good communication is lovely. Yes. And great. For sure. For sure. So you already kind of answered this, but do you believe everything happens for a reason? Mm. You don't. No. No. I mean, I love to, like, think that way when something really great happens to me. (laughs) But I think, like I said, I think it's more that I really love how interconnected things can be, how one thing can lead to another and how, if I didn't go for it and like this one opportunity that I had the chance to like do two things. If I, if I had went the other way, I wonder where I'd be. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I believe in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that's to the extent that I believe in it. Yep. Yep. So this is, a fun question. My favorite question to ask people. What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? I think I would do something more creative than I'm doing right now. Okay. I love to bake. I toyed with the idea of maybe becoming a massage therapist. <laughs> Those are two very different things. <laughs> but I felt like it was maybe more in line with the job that I do right now. Mm-hmm. I also just like really love the place that I go to get a massage it's very tranquil in there no one's yelling (laughs) got dim lighting great music yeah great smelling things (laughs) would be like to work in an environment that is like just calm like the Uh focus of it is Uh tranquility Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but then I thought about like touching all sorts of people and I I was gonna say (laughs) maybe I don't nope um but, like, some sort of art or creating something, I think, would be really, really fun. Um, I don't know what, where to go with that, <laughs> how to get to you that would, place. If you wouldn't fail, you could be an artist, a tattoo artist. Yeah. A writer, a musician. Yeah. You could be anything. Yeah, like Photographer. a muralist. Oh. That sounds cool. Richmond has so many beautiful murals. They do. they do. And I love a good mural, so. I love that. Baking. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. good big into baking recently. yeah yeah i love that and so for my final question believe mm. it or not what are you looking forward to or pursuing in this chapter of your life mm. other than the wedding ceremony that i get to attend <laughs> in november which i'm very yeah. excited about yeah um i'm not sure because i i feel like for a really long time, my life was education, mm. and then it was studying for this dang test. <laughs> <laughs> and now that that is out of the way, and it, I think it's just like a lot of celebrating all of the things that are going on. It's an exciting year. I feel like it's an exciting age. A lot of people that I really love are doing really cool things, either with like their hobbies, like this. Mm-hmm. Um, or they met someone great and they're getting married and that's really surreal and cool to experience. People are moving or getting new jobs or like one of our friends is about to have a baby and that's like the closest person to me that is having a baby. Like the the first closest person that I am like, oh, I think I actually can be involved in this child's life. Yeah. And how cool is that? And I just think it's a lot of celebration of all of these really great life moments, not only for me and my partner, like you said, we're hosting a reception after we eloped last year, hosting a reception this year. And that's really exciting. And 
Yeah. I don't know. It's just really fun to be a part of. I feel very lucky. I love that. But even in that answer, it's like all the things in other people's lives that you get to be a part of and participate in. And like that just shows how like compassionate and like empathetic how much other people mean to you. And I think that's very beautiful. They do mean a lot to me. (laughs) As much as I undo (laughs) what I am in relation to other people. I think relationships and community overall is still my favorite thing. Yeah. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the wedding reception I get to attend. I'm excited being here in your home that is Mm -hmm. now, I can see all the love that you both have put into your home Mm -hmm. with the, you know, fence that you built in the backyard and the shed yes and all the cat stuff and these two puppies and like painting beautiful like it just outpour of love and like you've made a home yeah yeah really weird to look around (laughs) and like see all of that because I think for so long you either have like this image of what it will be like to be older and have a home um and then you start that process and you're like dang this is a lot like so yeah like you buy the home and they're like, oh my God, do you buy some furniture to put in this place too? And that costs money. Yeah, absurd. And, and then you then, could have a cat that scratches it. Uh-huh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, being able to see like all the changes that we're able to make to make it, like you said, into a home. Yeah. It's been really, really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here and spend time with you. And I'm, I'm so happy you're here. so excited for what's, next for you and your partner and like the life you've built together and I'm glad that I get to be a part of it I'm so happy you're a part of it well thank you for being here this has been lovely and super just beautiful Mm. just beautiful it's been lovely thanks for having me and stay tuned everyone because part one of the book club episode that's a two-parter is coming out on Thursday and Emma will be back with me and joining us will be her partner, Eli. So we'll talk all things books. Woohoo, we're excited. Until then. Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Instagram at Unofficial Book Club Pod. Please don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends. Until next time. <laughs>